to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. How was your fourth? Was it good? You able to cook? I know you're not able to get out a whole lot and do a lot of things, but I hope you were able to do a little grilling or something. It is indeed great to have our neighbors here with us. And this is 4th of July weekend. And as I was considering in our series, talking about ordinary people, people Jesus came in contact with, everyday people in his life, I thought, what would be appropriate? And as I was reading through the Gospels for this, I came across Luke 7, verses 1 through 10, and this struck struck me. I don't know that I've ever noticed this before, but this scripture says um, that this man, and we'll get into it in a minute, deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Now, this was talking to a Gentile, this was a Roman soldier they were talking about who loved the Jewish nation and built them a church. And I thought, that's pretty cool. If somebody says, I like Myrtle Beach, and I'm going to build you a church, Tim, I would be like, that's great. I'll take it. And so uh, that's we're going to take a look at that today over in Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. This is a soldier that we're talking about, a centurion, 80 to 100 people that he was over. He's well-respected in the community. He's well-respected by the Jewish community. He's well-respected by the people that he knows, the servants that he has. This must have been a pretty good guy. Even though he was in service to Pilate or Herod, and maybe even, they think maybe he might even assisted the tax collectors at times in taking the taxes up. He obviously had a different kind of temperament and personality about him that everybody liked him. And, uh, and so one of his people got sick. One of his servants got sick, and he was very concerned about it. He heard about Jesus, and so he sends a Jewish delegation. This is a Roman soldier sending a Jewish delegation to try to get Jesus to come to his house. I thought, what a, what a great setup. And one of the things you've got to take away from this is that Jesus never sees this guy. This guy never even gets to talk to Jesus. So it's all secondhand through other people. Uh, so let's read this. If you've got your Bible app or whatever, Luke 7, 1 through 10, or you're filling, uh, here we go. And then I'll pray and we'll jump into it. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Lord, help me in my weakness. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes, Lord. I pray I'm able to push back all concerns, everything that may clutter our minds, my mind tonight, Lord, and we would be able to take a dive into your precious word, to be able to take away this evening, Lord, something precious from you. So open our hearts, Holy Spirit, come, you're already here, but move about this parking lot into every single life, God. I pray you would reveal your great love to every single person in this parking lot, in this neighborhood, how much you care, Lord, what the price that you paid so that we can have fellowship with our Creator and all of our sins forgiven and, Lord, called into your purposes to fulfill what you've called us to do. So, Lord, bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the big question is, will Jesus minister to someone outside of Israel? Will he minister to a wealthy soldier, a Roman soldier? And yes, he does. You know, this is an amazing story to me. Like I said, the character in this story, he never gets to meet Jesus. But he has these Jewish friends, probably civil leaders, not synagogue leaders, but he has these Jewish friends that go to bat for him. And then he has Gentile friends that come up afterward and go to bat for him. And I, I kind of ask questions when I'm working through Scripture, like, what can I take away from this for me? What kind of inventory for my life can I take in a moment? And it occurred to me to ask, if I had to send someone as an envoy for me to testify about me, about my character, who would it be? And what would they say? I mean, that was for me in that moment. And it took a moment for me to rest with my journal and sit and think about that for a few minutes and think, just who would it be? Because this guy, he evidently had quite a few people that would go and would vouch for him and really intercede for him. So who would you have? You know, who would, who would you send? Who would say, I'll go for you? I'll go and give testimony for you. Others speak about us all the time, one way or the other. And uh, I love this one because Jesus steps right into it, and he takes their word as if the centurion was there. And uh, this is kind of a preview. Those of you who read through your Bible, this is kind of a preview and a setup for the Acts 10 in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, when Peter went to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, right, he was a centurion. He was a soldier. Peter didn't have a great relationship with Roman soldiers, if you've read your Bible before. And so, but God teaches Peter not to devalue anyone. That the coming of Jesus established the value of everyone. And so Peter went to this Roman soldier's house and the whole house 
just like this Roman soldier came to know Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's some takeaways, three takeaways this evening I want to pass on to you from this encounter that Jesus had. The first one is this. Jesus, Jesus notices this man's faith. He notices this man's faith. We don't know if this guy had ever, probably never met Jesus, but he had obviously heard of him. And, uh, you know, I took great comfort from this, too, because people fly all around the world to get to a location where we think God is. And here's a picture of God showing up in the faith of the person. Jesus didn't even have to go there for Jesus to do his work. Do you get this? Because of the faith of the man, Jesus shows up here right now. He is here right now, just like if he was in Jerusalem. He is here now. Jesus moves then there at that centurion servant on him like the servant was right in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't even need to go. Why? Because Jesus noticed the faith of the man. This is a picture to me of intercessors, prayer people who stand in the gap and pray for others. The, the ones they're praying may never be able to see how much they've done for them to bring them to God, to pray for them, to help them. It reminds me of the Luke 5, back up a couple of chapters, and there's the story of the, you know, the, the guy who was paralyzed, and Jesus is having a meeting, and they can't get him. They can't get him to Jesus, right? They can't get down the aisles. They can't get in the place to get to him. So they love him so much like these Jewish civil leaders did, like these Gentile leaders did of this centurion, that they go up on the roof, tear out the thatch of the roof, and drop their friend down right in front of Jesus. And, you know, these Jewish civil leaders are doing the same thing for this centurion servant. For the same, They're doing the same thing. They're bringing him to Jesus is what they're doing in their faith. So don't give up. Those of you who pray and you're like, I, I wish I could just get this person to this person. No, you pray. You get them there in your prayers because God honors your faith. That's what Jesus was impressed with in this moment. Part of it was he knew this guy truly believed in him and truly believed he would do this. And so this guy is like an intercessor for his servant, for this guy that's really deathly ill. So those of you who have been praying for a very long time, those of you who think you've got to get your loved one somewhere for them to be touched, for them to come to know Christ, for them to be uh, healed or whatever, no, you keep praying. You pray because in your faith, Jesus shows up. He is there. Jesus noticed his faith, took note of his faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 in the New Testament says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. I like the one I originally learned when I first became a Christian. And it was faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you get that? I was having a conversation with a family member just last night or not before, whenever it was, and uh, we were talking about faith, and I was like, the fact that you act on it is the proof that it is. And so it's like, and then you get down the years of your life, and these people, I think, saw this in the centurion, the faith that he had in that moment. And it's like I walked up to this chair. Now, we just take it for granted that it's going to hold us, right? I walk up to it, but it... 
I don't know. You know how I know it held me? Because someone else was sitting in it before I got here. I saw them testifying to the fact that it will hold me. And every single one of us who are Christians, who live our lives out in front of people, are testifying to the fact that Jesus is real in our lives. And that when others see it, it helps build their faith and bring them along. And so faith is the substance. It's what, you know, the substance of what's hoped for and the evidence of what, what we don't see. I mean, you wouldn't need faith if you had it, right? You wouldn't need faith if you saw it. It's faith in what we can't see. And people, some people can't get over that, coming to know Jesus. They're like, if I could just have him show up here right now and talk to me, you know, I would believe it. But faith is a substance of things that we hope for, and it's evidence that we've seen it and we believe it. And this man believed that Jesus could heal, could heal his servant. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says, So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So he noticed his faith. You take the power of Jesus and the presence of faith in someone, and you have a powerful combination. So people who pray for others, don't give up. Don't give up. You continue in your faith because your faith is the evidence. It's the substance of what is real in this. Do not give up praying. And also, your second one here is Jesus notices his humility. Yes, he had great faith, but he also was a humble man. And I find this very, uh, this is incredibly interesting because sometimes we think people with great faith are not that humble. And sometimes we, you know, there's some people that aren't. <laughs> you know, but this guy, you take, faith and you take humility and you bring them together and you have a wonderful force to be reckoned with for goodness and uh, here we have another powerful combination faith and humility because he says Lord he sends another entourage right Lord don't trouble yourself here's where the humility comes in for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof that is why I did not even come the first time because I don't deserve to have you come. Remember remember the tax collector in the temple in the scripture? and uh, He's standing at the back. The Pharisee's standing in the front of the church. The tax collector is standing in the back of the church. The tax collector is beating his chest and going, you know, God have mercy on me, the sinner. The Pharisee's standing in the front of the church going, I thank God I'm not like that dude. <laughs> The guy in the back was the humble one. He's the one that God loves to work through. And this is, this is when we wed the humility. And that is, we know we are not God. We know that. And that humbles us. And it puts us in a place of submissiveness, submissiveness to God. And so we stand under that. We're humble in the fact that we know it was God's grace and mercy that saved us, that continues with us, that holds us, that keeps us, that gives us hope. And that humility as we stand under that, but we trust him and we ask for him to do things in our lives, moves us along in this Christian life. There's a few chapters over from here in Luke 14 where uh, Jesus is having a conversation with some other Pharisees and all. And it says for Jesus says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he says the same thing again four chapters later in Luke 18. Same exact words. Same exact words. It's a part of the kingdom. It's a part of the value that we have 
that beginning to get a taste, just a taste of how much God loves us and what he has done for us, that we are humbled before him. No, we're not worthy. And yet he still came for us. No, I would screw my life up in every way possible if it wasn't for him. But he loves me and he came for me. That humility, standing up under who we know we are, but who he is, faith in him is a powerful formula. And because um, this guy knew who he was compared to God. When uh, Alter said it this way, the recognition of the uniqueness of God's power and our unworthiness before it while trusting in God's care is the essence of faith and humility. Jesus notices the centurion's faith and humility. And lastly, he notices his understanding. He has an understanding of how authority works. The guy goes, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And Jesus is amazed. You know, only two times in the New Testament do we ever see Jesus complimenting somebody on their faith. And this is one of them. The other one's the Canaanite woman. Only two times Jesus draws attention to it. This is one of them. Jesus is amazed. This guy gets it. Jesus saw it. Matter of fact, we never even see him saying anything other than one line. One line in this whole story, in this exchange. Jesus says one thing, like I've never seen such faith, faith like this even in Israel. That's the, that's the total conversation with Jesus in this. And they get home and the guy's healed. I mean, I'm like, wow, this guy, because of his faith, because of his humility, and because he understood that Jesus had the authority and all he had to do was speak it, Jesus was amazed. And they got home and he was healed. He says, I know you can do this, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe in your power and your authority because I have some authority in my life and I know what it's like. And you have all authority. You can do it. I don't have to see you come down to me to see you with me right now to know you're real. I know you have the authority. I know you went 2,000 years. I know you're coming back. So, Lord, would you do this? I don't deserve it, but, Lord, would you do this for me? I ask for you to bless my family. I ask for you to touch my son, my daughter. I ask for you to save my kids. I ask for you, Lord, to keep me healthy through this virus. And, Lord, I pray for you to give me, get me out of this depression or help me here. Do this, do that. Lord, you can do it because you have all authority. authority. Would you do it? We keep expecting him to show up. And all he has to do is, we have to do is ask him. There is a flicker of faith in you, each one of you tonight, just a bit. It's enough. It's enough. If you have just enough to reach to Jesus and to say, I know who you are. I trust you. I don't get it all. But this is the substance of what I'm hoping, and I'm going to step into it. There's the faith right in that moment.
And my prayer is for, if we could just have a moment here, maybe, Lord, as we pause, I pray for anyone here tonight, God, who has not committed their life to you, has not surrendered to you. Maybe they're waiting for a sign. They're waiting for something to happen. But Lord, you're here now. And you have given them just enough faith to say yes. And I pray they would step across the line now, respond to you, Lord. Respond to you. And secondly, how many of you have someone you've been praying for for a while? Okay, do you have who they are right there in the forefront of your mind right now? Okay, Jesus, do you see these folks in these situations right now? All you have to do, Lord, is speak the word. All you have to do is speak the word, Lord. So we ask you to do it now, Lord. Now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth the age thanks for listening to the seacoast vineyard podcast we are a vineyard church located in myrtle beach south carolina and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com if you need prayer you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com if you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift please click on the give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.